with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And it's a rather gray-looking Wednesday out there at the corner of Quebec and 3rd outside our studio. Alan Wishart in the host chair as usual on Wednesdays. Steve on the board as usual on Wednesdays. And first guest is ready to go. And my first question for Caribou Prince George MP Todd Doherty is, where are you, Todd? Are you in Ottawa? Are you in Williams Lake? Are you in Prince George? Are you somewhere else? I'm uh, in uh, College Heights, actually. I'm up in Prince George. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, I'm I'm thinking today probably would not have been a good day for you to be moving around because I think you're still recuperating from a, was it a knee operation? Yeah, I uh, had knee replacement surgery Oof. in uh, at the end of October and then uh, uh, slipped and fell uh, during the first week back at Parliament and uh, and broke the patella on the on the bad knee and fractured it and so uh, I've been. I've been nursing that and uh, a bit of an infection uh, uh, in December as well, too. So it's been a, a bit of a long road of, to recovery, and um, but, um, you know, we're on the mend and uh, we'll be ready to do the, uh, you know, my goal is to make sure that we can get back to, to Ottawa next week mm-hmm. uh, so that we can, re, re, uh, re, when Parliament resumes the following week, and um but uh, it's been an interesting, <laughs> interesting couple months. Yeah. Now, what is, I'm, I'm sort of losing track on this. Is Parliament back in full sitting or are some of the members still joining you virtually or what's happening? Well, that's a really good question right now. Um, uh, as we ended up, uh, you know, our final week of sitting uh, was in a semi hybrid format and then as we know the omicron variant has kind of mm-hmm. uh skyrocketed over the last uh number of weeks mm-hmm. um so it remains to be seen as to what is going to be uh that uh, that first week back or uh what the spring session will be like but um nonetheless i'm on my way back to ottawa ottawa at the end of next week and uh or middle of next week um, so that we can uh, take our seat. So now, is that something where the party leaders sort of get together and say, okay, this we've decided this is how we're going to have to do it because of concerns over COVID, or is it sort of up to each individual member at this point? No, um, you know, there's an agreement usually between the, the leadership teams, uh, the House leaders and the leadership teams um, uh, of the parties, um, usually, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm ready to go, and uh, you know, I want to make sure that we can take our seat when we're able to. Yeah. Now, this past year, of course, I guess the biggest thing, apart from COVID, all over the place was I was this. I'm, I've lost track. Was last year the year we had the election? Yeah, it was. <laughs> okay. Uh, we, um, uh, in September on September twentieth. Yes, that's what I sort of thought. But things happen so fast these days. I kind of lost track. <laughs> Um, and again, so minority government is, are you hearing any, shall we say, rumblings or anything about the possibility of another election coming up this year? Well, you never know. I no. mean, um, the, the, the election last year was completely unnecessary, a complete waste of, uh, taxpayers' dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the estimated number, um, in terms of spending is well over, 
uh, well, close to $700 million yeah. only to get the same result. Yeah. So who knows what um, what uh, Justin, our Prime Minister Trudeau and, and uh, his team will, will want to do. And if they feel that they can capture a majority, I mean, that's completely what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the last election was totally self-serving, but, you know, Canadians, I believe, spoke and held them to a minority, so. Yeah. So now... I'm guessing one of the things that you're going to be working on when you get back to Ottawa is the suicide prevention hotline. Mm-hmm. That was sort of one of yeah. your pet projects. Now, that passed unanimously. When did that happen? So on uh, December 11th of uh, 2020, um, our bill, or our motion, it mm-hmm. was a motion to uh, uh, for Canada to immediately adopt uh, 988 as a national, uh, a, a three-digit national suicide uh, prevention hotline. It passed unanimously mm-hmm. um, back then in 2020, and to this to this point, nothing has been done. There's been a lot of promises, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, I think uh, the message that was sent, you know, well over a year ago now, um, that uh, the parliamentarians uh, saw this as a nonpartisan issue. Uh, which mental health is yes, um, and and you know, Alan. You know, not only um, do we know that you know uh, that parliamentarians are are supporting this, but since that time, we've had well over four hundred communities and big cities across our nation uh, pass motions at their city council, uh, uh, telling essentially adopting. The motion that they support bringing 988 to Canada and uh, establishing a, a national suicide prevention hotline, a three-digit national suicide prevention hotline. So, what is sort of the hold of it? Is it basically, shall we say, procedural matters more than anything else at this point? Or, uh, you know, again, I think it's it's been passed off to the bureaucrats, uh, 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 like a, <laughs> a, a, a arm's length uh, regulatory. Uh, organization, the CRTC, right. um, uh, to go to the Canadians to do their fact-finding to see if it's really needed. You know, my fear with that is back in 2006 when um, the, the uh, National Centre for Suicide Prevention uh, and the Canadian Mental Health Association um, national organizations uh, approached uh, the government and CRTC to actually establish a a three-digit suicide prevention hotline. Uh, the CRTC said it wasn't needed, no. uh, and so my worry is this: is that you know they've had it for well over a year now. Uh, in terms of, uh, well, I guess back in January of last year, the the government asked CRTC to examine this. It doesn't need to be studied any further. We know that um, you know every 24 hours, 11 Canadians uh, die by suicide. A further um, uh, 275 uh, attempt suicide mm-hmm. every day. And mm-hmm. so, um, and we know that suicide is the second leading cause of death for uh, young Canadians aged 15 to 24. You know, um, this is needed. And in the national organizations, those that are the experts in this field all support it. Um, and parliamentarians spoke in December of 2020. It just seems to be that this government, and, I, and, I, and, and as you know, I don't get very partisan um, on, the, on when it comes to mental health, but this no. is something that has uh, deeply frustrated me because 
uh, if the government really wanted to do this, um, if there truly was, um, you know, uh, that, that, that they felt that they wanted to do this rather than handle it like a, uh, you know, a, a, a campaign promise or what have you, they could have got this done last year. Um, and even the telecoms and those experts that are in the field, they've all told us that this can be done. Our, our counterparts um, uh, to the south of us in the U.S., have uh, theirs will come online in July of this year, mm. um, and so there's there's no way that we can't do this. Um, it's it's just um, it seems to be a little bit of a, a political hot potato right now, and it's very very disappointing. Yeah. So is this something where kind of every day during question period is this something you're asking the government about? Yeah. You know, um, I don't know whether we'll. Um, uh, be up in question period or not, but I know that as a team, our Conservative caucus, as well as the full opposition, mm-hmm. I mean, it's supported on all sides of the House. Yeah. We are asking the questions, uh, both in committee and, and when we get a chance in question period, but we will be pressing the government in, in every chance that we get, whether it's in debates, um, uh, motions, we've got other legislation that we're going to table with respect to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with respect to Canadians' mental health, we now we we know now more than ever um, in terms of recovery from even just this pandemic that uh, this line and uh, you know in, in viewing mental health in parity with physical health mm-hmm. is now more more important than ever before. Yeah. Now, I'm guessing there are probably statistics available by now. Have the numbers gone up since COVID started for people attempting suicide or committing suicide? The the numbers definitely in terms of the calls to the national hotlines um, and the uh, the local crisis lines have gone up. Again, statistics, um, you know, are always lagging behind. We yeah. know that um, uh, Canadians' anxiety over their health and uh, their financial situations have definitely gone up, uh, as well as um, cases of domestic uh, abuse, as well um, uh, the uh, alcohol and drug abuse has gone up. The, the st- statistics on that mm-hmm. has gone up, as well as our children and our youth um, uh, mental health uh, uh, challenges have gone up over the pandemic. You know, the isolation and the anxiety over uh, the pandemic uh, has really increased over the last little while. So now, stepping away from that for a second, how diff- is it more difficult for you as a politician to get out and meet people in your constituency when you are home and not laid, and, and not laid up with a bad knee? <laughs> uh, well, uh, definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely hobbled, but yeah. as we've uh, become proficient with Zoom over the last two years, um, I think, you know... Uh, I think we've got, probably got greater access to um, our constituency mm-hmm. now because, you know, it used to be, uh, you know, I would travel, and I still do, mm-hmm. um, but COVID has definitely put a damper, and the, and, the, and, the health, and the pandemic measures have definitely put a, a damper on those in-person meetings. Um, but, you know, we, when we would travel 12, 12 to 14 hours, you know, for one or two meetings, now all we have to do is uh, send a Zoom link and we can have that have that same kind of impactful uh, or same type of uh, meeting. It's not as impactful as as having it in person, yeah. um, but we're still able to actually get 
uh, get together and be able to meet on the issues that are affecting our, our constituents. And I'm guessing you, especially with your riding, and I guess a lot of the Northern BC ridings, kind of appreciate that where you don't have to, as you say, travel 12 or 14 hours to get to some parts of the constituency. Well, I, I love being out on the road. I, oh, yeah. I, there's nothing, you know, I, <laughs> I would, uh, I'm not really a, a person that likes to be behind a desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to be out meeting people, whether it's in our community or, or uh, out in the constituency. You know, I, I always make sure that we take the time that we can uh, to be to spend with our constituents. But it, it definitely uh, it definitely is put a bit of a, da- a damper on things. Yeah, and I'm guessing the one other slight advantage, if you will, to the situation is you can now hold those meetings when you're in Ottawa before you had to actually be in the constituency. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we use some uh, video technology a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but again, mostly it was conference calls, which you miss that full personal interaction, uh, you know, where you can see the facial expressions and be able yeah. to actually, uh, you know, get the, the, the emotions of the, of the meeting um, uh, and be able to read and react from, from who and what you're seeing and hearing. Um, but, you know, again, uh, there's nothing that takes the place of uh, the, those in-person, mm-hmm. um, uh, those in-person meetings. And don't take this wrong because you're on the phone with me today. But I much prefer <laughs> it when people are in the studio. And again, as you say, I can actually see them and see their expressions and stuff. You know what, Alan? I'm uh, I'm with you. I, you know, I, I I mentioned it to my uh, my assistant, my chief of staff back in Ottawa this morning, as uh, it, when I said that I think they're expecting me in the studio, and so you know, he said just blame it on him. So yeah, I know he's listening in uh, in in, uh, in Ottawa. So Bailey, uh, there you go. You got your plug for the, the day. I, I prefer being in the studio as well. Yeah. Now. Obviously, the suicide prevention hotline is still your baby at this point, if you will. Is there another sort of project, if you will, that you've got that you're looking at now for the next thing you want to hold the government to or get going? Yeah, yeah. So we we um, in the last session we we uh, put forward a couple bills uh, the the nine eight eight making yeah. uh, passing legislation to make sure that nine eight eight comes to Canada. But the other one was. Um, violence against healthcare workers uh, wow. are, uh, are, and nurses. Um, we had, uh, with, you know, coincidentally enough, it's, it's, it was uh, numbered the same as my bill, my PTSD bill, C211. <laughs> um, so uh, we had C211 uh, that we will be retabling again, or we've, uh, we've put it on notice already. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, it's unbelievable the amount of. Um, you know, whether it's a, a paramedic or, or a first responder or a nurse where I'm hearing, um, you know, that the, the, the violence that they're, uh, they're experiencing. You know, I was, um, I ha- had, uh, as I said, an infection and had to go in for IV treatments uh, uh, for a couple of weeks. And, you know, the number of um, uh, codes, and I can't remember the code that they call, when there's a, a, a violent uh, or, or a nurse is mm-hmm. uh, experiencing violence, um, the, the number of times that I heard that during the, uh, the couple hours or three hours that I was in the hospital each day uh, was just unbelievable. And it's not part of their job description. Mm-hmm. You know, these are people that are, are doing whatever they can to take care of, of, uh, uh, of our community and make sure that uh, we're healthy, we're safe and secure. Uh, we need to make sure that they, um, 
you know, if there's uh, violence against them, that, um, you know, at sentencing, uh, that um, the fact that it was uh, a nurse uh, or a healthcare professional or a first responder, um, that it is an aggravating factor in sentencing. And so that's, a, that's another bill that we're putting forward. And we'll also be doing um, just overall championing um, more uh, with pressuring the government to uh, really view mental health in parity with physical health. I think that that is something that is uh, that's truly important. Um, I have uh, got been um, uh, just honored to be given the uh, uh, share in the uh, the file of the national defense file, mm. uh, and so we will be uh, myself and the the shadow minister. Uh, Carrie Lynn Finley, we will be pushing uh, the government to uh, make sure that we're looking after our our uh, our brave men and women who serve our country and our our communities overseas and abroad and here at home, making sure that we arm them with the uh, the tools to complete the mission and to come home and be healthy. Um, and so, whether it's the military sexual trauma um, uh, cases or the you know the mental health of our and well-being of our, our men and women will be pressuring the government on that as well. Okay. Kerry Wolfram's George MP, Todd Doherty, as always, a pleasure to chat with you, and I'm really hoping the next time you'll be sitting across the, the uh, <laughs> table from me in the studio. Ab- absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think I got a, a, you know, I'll be hobbling around on either a crutch or a cane, but uh, I'll be in there for sure. Sounds great. Thank you very much, Todd. Thanks, Alan, and uh, everybody be safe and uh, take care. Okay. Take a quick break. Be back with more after 9. Do you like a good bluegrass song? Enjoying hearing music from the likes of Bill Monroe, Rhonda Vincent, and the Lakeside Ramblers? Then tune in to Backboard Spickin' Sunday evenings at 5 on 93.1 CFIS-FM for an hour of great bluegrass old and new. I'm Corey Walker, and I'm thrilled to take you on a musical journey each week as we explore the world of North American bluegrass. Catch Backboard Spickin' Sunday nights at 5 only here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Performance management can be overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. Vantage Point's Board Fundamentals, supporting your executive director, will teach not-for-profits how to set goals, provide feedback, and assess performance so your executive director and organization can flourish. Full details and registration are available through the training link at thevantagepoint.ca. Vantage Point's Board Fundamentals, supporting your executive director, Thursday, February 10th, from 5.30 to 8.30 through thevantagepoint.ca. This March, take action and change the future for the estimated 70,000 British Columbians living with dementia. Attend the Breakfast to Remember, a virtual fundraiser featuring a keynote address with neuroscientist and international best-selling author Dr. Lisa Genova. The Alzheimer's Society of BC 2022 Virtual Breakfast to Remember, Thursday, March 3rd from 7.30 to 9. Ticket information and full details are available through the Fundraise and Participate page under Take Action at alzbc.org. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today. Periods of wet snow mixed with rain late this afternoon, a high of 2. Tonight, periods of wet snow. Risk of freezing rain this evening and overnight, a low of minus 1. For Thursday, periods of wet snow ending the morning, then mainly cloudy, a high of 0. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And we now actually have an in-studio guest. Yay! How about that? Yeah. Ron Palillo, the Northern BC Crime Stoppers Vice President. Did I get it right? You did. I'm still getting... Well done, man. I, when I was writing down my little notes for today, I started with Crime Stoppers of, and then I was going, no, that's not their name anymore. <laughs> but, um, so I guess the first thing, 
I think we've covered this before, but it may have changed. What Northern BC? Define Northern BC when it comes to Crime Stoppers. Well, uh, it uh, that's one of the things that actually um, I highlighted in the media release that uh, I sent out um, earlier. Well, I guess it would be last week now. Uh, is the fact that uh, we keep growing. So um, we pretty much encompass uh, two-thirds of British Columbia now. I mean, we go down to Williams Lake, right. south, yeah. uh, east to the Alberta border. Yeah, We go essentially all the way up to uh, the Yukon-BC border right. uh, in the northeast corner. And uh, we just recently expanded couple months ago uh, to the Kitimat Terrace area as well, too. We inherited that. So it's essentially, uh, like I say, about two-thirds, well, at least a good half of uh, British Columbia, the northern part. And, um, you know, um, there may be some growth in 2022 as well, too. I'm just thinking, based on what you told me about directions, the only thing I can see is going a little bit further west. Because yes. going south, I yeah. can't see you going all the way down to Kamloops, which nope. is almost what it would be. Kamloops has a very healthy, strong yes. program. And um, actually, they're they're helping us right now. We, we work a lot with uh, programs right throughout British Columbia. Okay. And uh, right now, um, their coordinator is helping us um, with the transition in, in our program in terms of handling tips. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there there is a program. Uh, that is active in Prince Rupert, um, but we've had some discussions with them. Um, you know, uh, to be honest with you, uh, what has happened is, uh, unfortunately, these smaller programs, when a few key people leave, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, and this is all charities, all nonprofits, nice. um, other people don't step up, and they just essentially fall apart. Yeah. Um, and... Um, you know, we believe so strongly in the program um, that we said, okay, we want to find a way to service those areas as well. And we still have a lot of work to do in those uh, communities. And with COVID, obviously, that has been a challenge mm-hmm. for us to actually physically be there. But that is one of our goals as we as we get through COVID and uh, start growing the awareness and the brand uh, and what Crime Stoppers is all about in northern BC. So now... Let's get down to the crunch numbers, because you said you sent out a yeah. press release last week. Yeah. Gee, I wonder what that could be at the beginning of January. What were the numbers like? Uh, very good. Um, we almost um, uh, hit a record in terms of amount of tips. Oh. Um, so last year, 2020 was 975 tips. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2021, 945 tips. Wow. Um, we, I think we were on our way to a record, it seemed like, the last uh, month and a half. Um, the tips um, didn't come into the same rate as they did mm-hmm. the first 10 months of the year. But uh, with that being said, we were still um, very impressed. And we thank, um, you know, the everyday mm-hmm. person who trusts Crime Stoppers with that very sensitive information that, mm-hmm. of course, we give that tip information to police and they follow up on crime. And hopefully that leads to arrests mm-hmm. and then eventually to rewards. Yeah. Now, one thing I was wondering about, I can't remember if we've talked about this before, do you have any stats on what the reasons are for the calls that you get? Like, do you get a lot of tips about people who say, I've got an, I've got something on this, this B&E that's been going on around town or stolen cars, or do you have any numbers like that? 
Yeah, you know, to protect uh, people's privacy and information, mm-hmm. we don't uh, obviously delve too much into that. Yeah. But we know the general nature of the tip mm-hmm. information, um, and it varies. Uh, it's you know, it's everything from drug activity in neighborhoods to B and E activities. Some people will notice a lot of activity at a house and wondering what's going on. And they'll send that information. It is most wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. Actually, that's probably one of the things that uh, works so very, very well is when police release most wanted, like there was a couple released yesterday. Yeah. Um, And uh, when we put that information out, how quickly the public responds with information and how so many times within a day or two, police have apprehended those people. Or people that have gone missing. And we had a situation just yesterday. I shared it in our our um, Facebook page as mm-hmm. well, too. We have a quite an active Facebook and uh, now on Instagram as well, too. So I encourage people to follow Northern BC Crime Stoppers on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we put that information out. And uh, I tell you, invariably, um, 80 to 90% of the time... Um, People um, give that information to police, and um, they apprehend people, and they they find they mm-hmm. they find these people that are missing or have gone missing. Mm-hmm. So um, it's amazing that it, how well the program works. Now, do again, I'm not sure whether you have the numbers on this. How much of what you get as calls to Crime Stoppers are actually calls that maybe should be going to nine one one? Like you were saying, drug activity at a house. Well, technically, yeah. I'm thinking that should actually go to 911 because that's a police activity. Yeah, we uh, w- what we say to uh, to you is that if you actually see a crime in progress, mm. you call 911. Right. Don't call Crime Stoppers. No. You have to call 911 if you see a crime in progress. <laughs> but if you don't know what's going on and you suspect that something is going on, and there's and there may be it, may, it might be just a really busy household. You know, yeah. it could be new neighbors have moved in and they offered they you know they live differently than the neighbors that were there before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, you know, I mean, people are pretty savvy and understand and, and they get a sense mm-hmm. that, wait a minute, something's not right here. <laughs> and uh, I want to give this information. And, and uh, you know, they're more than welcome to give that information, actually call police. But, you know, um, a lot of people are comfortable giving that information anonymously. And that's where we step in at Crime Stoppers. You call the the tip line at 1-800-222-TIPS. That's a... 8477 or you can go on our website northern bc crime stoppers and you'll see it right there mm-hmm. you can um give the information and that's where we uh provide the information to po- for now, police and they they follow up on it i'm just wondering do you think some people get a little bit confused because they see a crime being committed mm-hmm. and they're thinking i'm going to call crime stoppers because <laughs> <laughs> they're thinking that's what you guys do but you guys actually don't do that yeah you're stopping sort of the crimes that have already been committed to some extent. Well, it's uh, well, it, it, yes and no. Um, you know, like I say, there may be um, in that situation that we were talking about. You know, in mm-hmm. that you know we see a lot in terms of activities. You know, drug activities. Uh, there's probably crimes happening every day, yeah. right? If there's drug activity, they just don't see it, but they suspect with people coming going at all hours mm-hmm. of the day that there is something going on right and and they just feel more comfortable giving that information to crime stoppers and then we 
handed over. So um, I, I think we stop crime and we prevent crime yeah. as well, too. This It is... And often, um, you know, and this is a debate that we've had in the Crime Stopper community for many, many years, that that um, the government doesn't see us as a preventative mm. um, program. But we really are. Yep. We prevent crime. I really believe that. And I think the stats back it up. Okay. Um, we yeah. got to go to a quick break. Yeah. When we come back, we've got a couple more things to talk about with Crime Stoppers with you, on, And then we'll talk about a couple other things as well. Sure. After nine. The Prince George Symphony Orchestra's next kinder concert is Morris the Moose, Sunday, February 6th, in UNBC's Canfor Theatre. Kinder concerts are a great opportunity to help your youngster discover the wonders of classical music. Tickets are only available online through the subscriptions and tickets link at pgso.com. While there, please review their COVID protocols on the health and safety page. Then enjoy the next Kinder concert, Morris the Moose, from your Prince George Symphony Orchestra, Sunday, February the 6th at 2 in UNBC's Canfor Theatre. School District 57 has issued a notice of election by voting for the Prince George Trustee Electoral Area. General Voting Day will be open to qualified electors on Saturday from 8 to 8 at Glenview, Heritage, Malaspina and Pineview Elementary Schools, as well as Van Bien Training Centre. There is no need to pre-register, but you will be required to produce two pieces of identification as proof of residency and identity. Full details of the School District 57 by-election process and rules are available at sd57.bc.ca. The Alzheimer Society of BC is continuing their series of online webinars. Everyone is encouraged to learn more about dementia and its stark impact on Canadians through their website, alzbc.org. While there, you can also register for their free webinars or watch previous presentations. The next webinar is We All Have a Part to Play, Becoming a Dementia Friend, this afternoon from 2 to 3. The Alzheimer Society of BC, bringing you support and information for dementia at alzbc.org. The Alzheimer's Society of BC is continuing their online dementia education series. These are small group information workshops facilitated to provide opportunities for live discussion. Take in the workshop, Living Safely with Dementia, on Tuesday, January the 18th from 1.30 to 3. Registration and full details on this and other free sessions are available through alzbc.org. More information is also available through the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-936-936. 6033. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS FM. And back, and I guess, Ron, one thing is another reason you sent out the release last week about Crime Stoppers was this is Crime Stoppers Month. It is uh, Crime Stoppers Month nationally, and actually, we want to touch on this that nationally, the theme this year is uh, stop the crime of human human trafficking. Okay, yeah. and um, so Crime Stoppers programs right across the country are bringing awareness to this uh, crime that targets people from all backgrounds. But according to a Canadian um, Center to End Human Trafficking, ninety percent of sex trafficking survivors are women and girls, mm. and more than eighty percent of victims are Canadian. Okay. Um, and, you know, people you know, listening now would say, well, that doesn't happen to Prince George. It does. In fact, there was um, a case that I can recall about five or six years ago that um, they, um, they cracked um, a human trafficking. Uh, it was a prostitution case that mm-hmm. was uh, 
that was um, um, running out of a hotel in in, mm. in Prince George. So yeah. it does happen, yeah. and uh, and it happens every day. So that's one thing we want to bring awareness to, and you can find out more about that by uh, going to our website or the Canadian Crime Stoppers website. So that's happening this month. Now, it seems to me there's something that you guys do about twice a year. Yes. And I'm thinking you're probably not doing it right now because it's a little bit snowy. When is the next shredded event? Yeah, we want to invite everyone to our uh, community uh, shredded event. Uh, it is happening, uh, as Alan mentioned, uh, twice a year. We do it uh, spring and fall. So our spring event is happening uh, Saturday, April the 23rd. Mm-hmm. If you want to uh, mark it down on your calendars or put it in your uh, mm-hmm. phone. So Saturday, April 23rd, we're going to have it uh, in Prince George at the PGSS parking lot from uh, 10 to 2. And one of our goals, actually, uh, post-COVID, is we like to see um, this event in other communities around northern BC. Mm-hmm. So we're working with our sponsors and our volunteers, and it would be great if we could, you know, do something similar, say in Vanderhoof or Quinell. Quinell, yeah. In fact, I got a call about that the other day. Someone mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, do you think you could do this in Quinell?" I said, "Well, mm-hmm. actually, yeah, we're we're contemplating that. We just, um, you know, have to get that support from." Um, from our sponsors and volunteers mm-hmm. to line that up. So that's uh, something that we want to do. But in Prince George, Saturday, April 23rd. And you guys have, again, with COVID being, what, almost two years old now, my understanding from people who have been through it is you guys have got this down to a pretty well-oiled machine, even with the new system that you had to put in place with COVID. Yeah, we, we do a, a drive-through, and it's yeah. uh, you don't even have to get out of your vehicle. Mm-hmm. You come in, everyone is masked, we take the precautions, we have a COVID uh, plan that is uh, sent to uh, our partners and uh, vetted, yeah. and uh, basically you come through, um, you make the donation, um, we take the... Um, the shredding right out of your vehicles, and we put it directly into the two trucks that we have there. Mm-hmm. And um, this uh, spring as well, too, uh, Mr. Mike's is going to be mm-hmm. back on board mm-hmm. for us, too. And then you can drive uh, over there and grab a burger, and then uh, you can drive off and enjoy the burger. And <laughs> feeling that you've, uh, you know, done some cleaning around the house, uh, the house, and you've made a donation to a great organization as well, too. Now, one thing, and I'm sure we'll have you or somebody else on before the event, yes. but just for people who are maybe going to be going there, you guys very much prefer that whatever you're bringing to be shredded, if you can put it in cartons rather than just throwing it loose into your backseat, it makes life a lot easier. Yeah, so uh, a lot of people, you know, we've been doing this for, um, well, six or seven years, no. so a lot of people know, but... For uh, newcomers or people that don't know, yes, um, we we can't take it loose, so put it Mm -hmm. in a box. Uh, We give your boxes back um, or in um, obviously in in garbage bags, um, and we can give those back to you as well, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, so it can't be loose. And, um, you know, this really is intended for everyday people. It's not meant for businesses. So uh, this is for everyday people to help them. Um, you know, uh, shred their personal information uh, securely and safely and, and help a great organization. So yeah. that's what it's intended. And so we encourage um, uh, people to, uh, you know, get their stuff ready. And yeah. uh, and we'll see you uh, on Saturday, April 23rd. Now, one other thing is we were talking about this during the break. You guys don't really need volunteers as such in Prince George because – the calls, it's not like crisis line. All the calls go to a central office, but 
you are still looking for people. Yeah, we are looking for members. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, we're looking for uh, two different things. Um, we have a, a great board uh, at directors, so yeah. I'm one. I'm just one of the mm-hmm. uh, board of directors. Um, I happen to be the vice president, but we are looking for one or two more um, uh, directors as mm-hmm. well. That okay. would be great. Right yeah. now, we're about ten, but it'd be ideally if um, if we had twelve. I yeah. think you know that would be the perfect size. So if you're interested in really becoming involved in this great organization that's been around Prince George since 1985 and wow. really made an, you know a great impact, you know I'm just looking at the stats since 1985 and the value of uh, property and drugs seized is close to forty million dollars. Imagine wow. that yeah. forty million dollars in 37 years directly attributed to Crime Stoppers tips, yeah. and that really makes a difference and makes our community safe. So if you want to become involved as a director. You can reach out on our website, Northern mm-hmm. BC Crime Stoppers. I'm a pretty easy guy to get a hold of. Mm-hmm. You can get a hold of me, and I can give you uh, more information. And we're also looking at uh, people that um, want to become members of our society. As you know, mm. yeah. we know that uh, CFIS is a, a nonprofit yeah. society as well, too. And in order to get gaming, you need a membership. Yes. So we do have some uh, members, and we're encouraging people to join the Crime Stopper Society as a membership. It's only mm-hmm. $5. Information on that is on our website. And that entitles you to get some information two or three times a year. Yeah. And it also entitles you to be part of our annual general meeting, which we do in the fall of every okay. year. And you can uh, be part of uh, uh, that as well, too. And you're, like I say, supporting a great cause, and it's only $5. So we're looking uh, for members uh, really really focusing on membership we'd, we'd love to you know have 10 to 15 more members yeah. um and one or two directors as well too perfect okay we got to wrap things up ron so one more time um tip line number yeah the tip line number 1-800-222-8477 that's 1-800-222-TIPS and northern bc crime stoppers Dot .ca. Dot .ca. Okay. Ron Palillo, Vice President, Northern BC Crime Stoppers. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks okay. for having me. Take a quick break and be back with more after 9. The Alzheimer's Society of BC is continuing their online dementia education series. These are small group information workshops facilitated to provide opportunities for live discussion. Take in the workshop, Living Safely with Dementia, on Tuesday, January the 18th from 1.30 to 3. Registration and full details on this and other free sessions are available through alzbc.org. More information is also available through the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-936- 6033. The Cold Snap Music Festival has been postponed. The festival was scheduled to run from January 28th to February 5th, but concerns over rising numbers of COVID-19 cases prompted organizers to make the decision. No new dates have been set, as organizers are checking on artist availability as well as venues and production crews. They are still hoping to have both live and live stream performances. Ticket sales have been suspended, and those who have already purchased tickets will be contacted with their options. Stay tuned to the website, coldsnapfestival.com, for more information. Learn the art of salsa dance the second and fourth Tuesday of each month at Amanika Art Center. This drop-in fitness class is offered by donation to ensure accessibility for all. Space is limited, open to all ages with no necessary experience, but you must have proof of vaccination. Take time for some self-care. Salsa Tuesdays, the second and fourth Tuesday evening of each month from 7 to 9 at Amanika Art Center, 369 Victoria Street. 
Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today, periods of wet snow mixed with rain late this afternoon, a high of 2. Tonight, periods of wet snow, risk of freezing rain this evening and overnight, a low of minus 1. For Thursday, periods of wet snow ending the morning, then mainly cloudy, a high of 0. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And we're talking glaciers now, and I was thinking before the show, when we talk about glacial growth in something, we usually mean something happening very, very slowly. Alex Babington from up at UNBC, though, glacial shrinkage doesn't take along that line, does it? No, no, glaciers are moving pretty quickly right now, and they're, uh, it's, it's not uh, good news for the glaciers, I'll put it that way. Yeah. So now you have just, you're, I guess, what, the lead author of a paper that just came out on glaciers. Yeah, we, we did an interesting project where, um, as many of your listeners will know, there's uh, quite a few satellites that go around the Earth mm-hmm. taking, pic- taking pictures of the Earth, and they've been doing so for almost four decades now. And so what we did is we tried to remap all of the glaciers of British Columbia and Alberta for every year of the satellite record. And that's uh, tens of thousands of satellite images. And we're able to show that glacier retreats, so the glacier is kind of getting smaller and smaller, glacier shrinkage is actually accelerating over time. So is this something where you can almost do it like a very quick slideshow if you want to? Like you could have one glacier and just run by all the way from wherever you started right up until the current day and just boom, 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 so people can actually see Exactly, wow. exactly. So, so you know, graphs and figures in the scientific oh. journal are, are uh, not as interesting for everyone <laughs> as watching kind of a movie, right, yeah. of the landscape changing over time. And, and to be able to show these these changes in a, in a kind of, uh, you know, aesthetic way almost, it's, it's actually quite... You know, mountains are beautiful and glaciers are beautiful, and and to see them change so quickly through these uh, short movies that we're able to generate from this data is quite quite compelling. Now, I'm guessing you didn't cover every single glacier in the world. So, where where did you focus? Yeah, so uh, in British Columbia and Alberta, um, what we did is we built on a uh, a study that was done in 2010 where they mapped all of those glaciers, so, so British Columbia and Alberta, for the year 2005, and that's the last map that we have that's been made systematically mm-hmm. for all glaciers um, in British Columbia and Alberta. So we, we focus on that area because we're able to sort of, you know, put our findings or our map in comparison to this previous map that was already generated. So it's it's about, you know, there were 14,000 glaciers in 1985, Mm-hmm. And now there's somewhere around 18,000 glaciers. So there's there's more glaciers mm-hmm. because they're actually breaking up into smaller oh, chunks. Okay. So they you can count them as more glaciers, but there's actually way less volume, way less area. Okay, now, one thing I've noticed is, is UNBC becoming known around the world as Glacier University? Because it seems like there's an awful lot of glacier studies coming out of there. Yeah, UNBC definitely has some some excellent excellent research happening in the world of glaciers and the world of snow. Um, we, we have a lot of snow and ice in British Columbia, and it's, it's very important for a number of reasons: for hydropower, for for stream temperature regulation, for a lot of fish that depend on colder waters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very important for um, you know. 
tourism and, and aesthetics, but also we're, we're seeing increasing pressure on the mountains as well from, from mineral exploration, from tourism, from, from all these things. So um, these environments are really important, and there's, there's really excellent, excellent uh, researchers at uh, UNBC that are, you know, I think becoming known um, in, yeah, throughout the world. Now, with the number of researchers up at UNBC who are working with glaciers in one form or another, is it making it a little bit tougher for people like you to find something that nobody else is doing? Well, I'd say we're we're in a really exciting time right now because mm. technology is allowing for such mm. such you know my study is it's almost like a simple simple question right where are the glaciers yeah. <laughs> you know uh, you look at an image you see it but what we did is we used you know computers and you know very 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 big computers to map you know tens of thousands of images for you know, 15,000 glaciers over 36 years. So it's these wow. scales that we're able to achieve now in terms of conclusively saying, like, th- this is happening, right? There's no, it's not a theory, it's, mm-hmm. not, uh, it's not a model, it's, it's a measurement taken from space. So there's so many exciting fields of science to take. Um, I'd, I'd say that the challenging part is, uh, you know, when will studying glaciers no longer be you know, relevant because yeah. they're they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm get I'm guessing one of the things that was kind of nice for you to some extent was you didn't actually have to go out to any glaciers for this study, right? You were able to sit in the lab and process fifty million numbers. That's true. That's true. So in my study, we don't actually have uh, any you know field measurements yeah. of glaciers, and and actually in in the fields, I, I have done quite a bit of work on glaciers in the field, and it can be challenging. Um, for all kinds of you know safety reasons, particularly to actually map a glacier, mm-hmm. you, usually when you're on a glacier, you, you travel you know very little. You know, you, you a few kilometers this way, a few kilometers that way. You take measurements of snow, you take measurements of ice, um, but covering the entirety of the glacier is actually very difficult to yeah. do um, on foot. So the perspective from above is very very helpful. Now, when did you? kind of get interested in doing this study? Like, was this something where you just found out they had all these numbers and you thought, hey, I'll bet you nobody's actually crunched all these numbers? Or was this something that you've been thinking about for some time? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, circling back to my undergraduate degree, which is uh, mm-hmm. done in, in in Ottawa a number of years ago, I, yeah. I did a, a study in 2012. I started and it was published in 2014 where I looked at one glacier over time, and that took me a lot of time because <laughs> the technology has come that far in yeah. only 10 years, right? So um, 10 years ago, you would download individual images, very large files, work on them very slowly, and now we're able to write uh, you know, simple computer programs that will um, automatically extract all this information from, from data sets. So to me, um, this is part of my PhD program at UNBC, and it was a logical succession in my, my interests and where technology is going. Wow. Now, one thing I was wondering about was, are all the glaciers that you studied shrinking, or are there some that are actually growing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I can say uh, conclusively, every single glacier in British Columbia and, and uh, Alberta are is shrinking. Wow. Um, however, there are parts of the world where there are small anomalies happening, mm-hmm. some places where they're getting a little bit more snow than usual, um, and other glaciers that have interesting 
dynamics where they actually accelerate and retreat very far and then accelerate a little bit and they retreat very far. They, they're called surge glaciers and they behave a little bit differently. So there are places where if you want to cherry pick, you can find a couple of glaciers accelerating, but they're really a blip in the signal of, of glaciers disappearing on us. Now, one thing I noticed in the media release that UNBC sent out, I think it was just yesterday, um, it mentioned pro-glacial lakes. What is a pro-glacial lake? Yeah, that's a great question. So we, we took advantage of the fact that we were taking all of this imagery and mapping glaciers, and we mapped a few other things while we were at it, and one of them was proglacial lakes. So a proglacial lake is just a, glacier, a lake that, that occurs in front of a glacier. Okay. And one thing that's happening that we're observing, and we, we knew this already, just mm. not quite to what extent, um, as a glacier retreats from its position, there's usually a, a little depression where the glacier was sitting for a number of years. Oh, makes sense, yeah. And that, and that will fill up with water, okay. and it makes a new lake. So there's, there's uh, you know, quite a few lakes that are developing in British Columbia, like thousands of new lakes, and they actually present a little bit of a, a downstream hazard because if a chunk of ice falls into that lake or a landslide falls into that lake, it'll there'll be an outburst flood and it'll flood downstream. And, and we've seen that a, a number of times in British Columbia. It's not an, uh, a, a rare event, but it's, mm. they do happen, yeah. And now, the other thing I'm thinking is then, with those lakes, are they connected to anything, or are they just sort of a system unto themselves? The, the lakes themselves? Yeah. yeah they're, they're connected. You know, water, These, if you think of a glacier as a big pile of, you know, a big ice cube, yeah. and if it's slowly disappearing that's a massive amount of water that's mm-hmm. coming down so it, it will fill into that lake and then the lake will transfer that water into the drainage network below and um, okay. usually they're quite stable they're not like an acute hazard everywhere but mm-hmm. they do increase the level of of uh you know activity that you could expect from from these areas um wow so now what next have you got another project lined up, Alex, or are you still yeah. seeing this one through? Nope. Okay, you got something else. Let's tell. Can we can we break the news here? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a number of ways we can build on this study. So mm-hmm. um, w- one of the ways is because we've uh, developed this workflow and it's an automated workflow. It, oh. it takes an image and then based on a whole bunch of you know uh, predefined uh, assumptions and training data, it will automatically map. The glacier, we can now move this to other regions and even potentially map all the glaciers in the world um, at this annual resolution, which no one's no one's done before. And that would be quite a compelling, compelling yeah. data set. And big. <laughs> and, and, yeah. <laughs> but 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 yeah, it might just uh, multiply the bad news, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Alex Babington from UNBC, thank you very much for coming on and talking to us about what's happening with our shrinking glaciers in BC and Alberta. Yeah, thanks for your interest in having me on the show, Al. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Take a quick break and be back to wrap things up after 9. For more than 20 years, Prince George residents have united with communities across the country to support the annual Relay for Life. The Canadian Cancer Society is urgently seeking volunteers for this year's event. The Society is hoping to return to in-person events, bringing back the beloved Prince George Relay on June 11th. 
This won't be possible without a team of dedicated volunteers. For a full list of vacant volunteer roles, visit the links page at cfisfm.com. Interested volunteers can also email relay at cancer.ca for more information. Join Two Rivers Gallery the second Sunday of each month for an in-depth tour. Led by staff and knowledgeable learning and engagement volunteers, the exhibit tour is a great way to discover the gallery while getting a better perspective and understanding of the current exhibits. That's guided tours the second Sunday of the month from 1 to 2 at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. Check them out online as well at tworiversgallery.ca. Life Sciences BC is pleased to announce their third annual Career Connect Day presented by BioTalent Canada. Career Connect Day helps connect life science companies and organizations from across the sector with university and college students as well as STEM job seekers. Attendees will be able to connect virtually to arrange meetings through the event platform. Registration and full details are available through lifesciencesbc.ca. Life Sciences BC's Career Connect Day, presented by BioTalent Canada, Friday, January 21st from 9 to 5, virtually. OceanWise is currently hiring for a number of great positions. Their mission is to inspire the global community to increase its understanding, wonder, and appreciation for our oceans. It's work that matters with an organization focused on protecting and restoring the world's oceans, which in turn helps keep our planet alive. To learn more about OceanWise, visit ocean.org. To check out the incredible career opportunities currently available, click on the careers link on the drop-down menu at ocean.org. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And we've got a few minutes left in the show today, and we've got a couple of things to touch on. Word came down, I guess, yesterday, Steve, cold snap, 2022, postponed. Postponed. Not, not canceled. Not canceled. Postponed. Um, the media release they sent out basically said, like, last year they were able to do it virtually, Mm-hmm. Because all the artists from BC and the ones who didn't do the show from their own studio drove into Prince George. This year, they had artists who were scheduled to be flying in, and they thought, no, with COVID numbers going up, that's not a great idea for the artist or other people. So they said, let's put it on hold for a while. They're still hoping to do it the same way. Like, I think they've accepted they are going to have to do the live stream mm-hmm. of all of the shows, but they are hoping to be able to present the shows live as opposed to live stream. Excuse me. And the other thing they've got to do now, of course, is because they're postponing it, they've got to check on the availability of venues. Like, they were scheduled to be at the Playhouse. I don't know if there's something else scheduled for the Playhouse in the next few weeks. That's something they may not have known when they originally book the dates obviously because they were saying these are ours go away well i mean a lot of other places uh have things going on and probably they're going to be postponed yeah because so, these artists probably have other venues set up ready yeah. to go and yeah again a number of the artists were going to be local so they're not quite so bad probably in terms of rescheduling for you know a few weeks down the line mm-hmm now, the other thing the release noted was if you've bought tickets already for Cold Snap, because, of course, tickets have been on sale for a while, um, hang on to them, because if the same artist does come back, your ticket will be good 
for that show, even though it's not doesn't have the right date on it anymore. But because mm. it's the same artist, it'll be good for that show. But if you want a refund, get in touch with them. They're not selling tickets right now. Um, if you want to keep up to date on what's happening, um, coldsnapfestival.com, I believe. I'm pretty sure it's a .com for them. Uh, another thing that's been, well, not postponed, but moved. The Spruce Kings were supposed to be playing Salmon Arm on what they called the BCHL Roadshow in Burns Lake at the end of February. Well, they've already taken the step to say no. No. Not no. going to happen. They are going to play them those same dates. It's near the end of February. I can't remember the exact dates. I think they actually changed one of the dates as well. Um, Salmon Arm will now be playing just in Prince George at Rolling Mix Concrete Arena on those days. And they do intend to go out next year still for the road show to Burns Lake because they're not just saying, no, we're not going to go out there. No. That's too bad because Burns Lake uh, played a lot of hockey in Burns Lake oh. and they got awesome ice. I One of the best ice <clears throat> rings. Yeah, I worked for a couple of years at the paper there. Well, as I like to tell people, I was employed by the paper there for a couple of years. If you ask my boss, the work thing was iffy at times. But um, again, like so many small communities in Canada, period. Mm-hmm. People are crazy about hockey. So I could imagine, like, uh, their arena, they would have been able to sell as many tickets as they could very easily for both games. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know about Salmon R, but I know Prince George. I don't know if they've got anybody from Burns Lake, but they've got, like, a number of players from Northern BC on the team. So may have been able to get some fans in to just see those individual players. You bet. Okay. Um That'll just about do it for today's show. Now, a change for the next couple of days. Trudy Klassen will be in tomorrow, as she has been for the last little while. She will also be in on Friday. There's no panel on Friday, because tomorrow and Friday, Trudy is going to be doing interviews about people with the School District 57 by-election, and that is actually happening on Saturday. So tune in tomorrow and Friday if you want to hear from the candidates. And that will be happening after 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Echo Wiley, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. CA. This is 93.1 CFIS FM, Prince George, probably supported by community.